Welcome to Farm Chica's next podcast focusing on composting. Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me, Rene Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional, simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30 minute tips that anyone can do. Composting has a long and rich history. We know that early man used decomposed organic matter to improve the soil. There also exists evidence from around the world that farming populations use some sort of natural fertilizer. There's even archaeological evidence that shows some of the ancient populations around 5000 BC planted crops and heaps of rotting manure. Likely our ancestors noticed that certain plants grew better where manure had been. Some ancient Chinese and Hindu writings indicate that farmers use manures and other organics to enrich their soil. Also, the first indigenous populations in the Americas developed farming systems around this same time, and those systems used fish, fish waste, manure, and plant waste to fertilize their crops. Different methods of ancient composting varied depending on the specific climates, geographic locations, soil properties, but the basics were and continue to be the same. Composting and amending one's soil was passed on to future generations. So why compost? Well, anyone can do it. But more importantly, when we talk about sustainability, composting reduces waste, which makes us less dependent on landfills and decreases greenhouse gas emissions. Daily, the average American generates roughly four and a half pounds of waste. Roughly 53% of that is sent to the landfill every year, in which 22% alone that's discarded is food scraps and things that could be composted and used for your gardens. You might be thinking, well, organic matter is going to decompose in the same environment in the landfill versus at home. But in doing research for this podcast, actually, that's not the truth. Organic matter in the landfill decomposes anaerobically, meaning without access to oxygen. This process is different than decomposition in your compost bin or in your backyard farm or homestead, which is how traditionally organic matter naturally decomposes. So when the food scraps break down without oxygen, it actually produces more greenhouse gases, primarily methane, which can escape the landfill and accumulate in the atmosphere, thus contributing to the emissions of more greenhouse gases. Composting, on the other hand, mimics what our ancestors did. It's a natural method of decomposition, allowing organic materials to break down uh, aerobically. And this composting greatly reduces our overall waste of being what's being sent to landfills and also cuts greenhouse gas emissions. So besides the reduction in greenhouse gases, compost also strengthens the soil and promotes healthy plant growth. With higher percentages of organic matter, soil is better able to retain water, nutrients, and air, therefore 
benefiting the entire ecosystem by creating an optimal environment for whatever you plant and reducing runoff and erosion. And because compost enriches the soil and promotes that healthy plant growth, plants grown in compost-rich soil tend to be more resilient to diseases, pests, and fungi. The healthy bacteria and critter that exist in the compost fight off harmful pests and diseases before they can get to the plants. And in addition, the compost is a slow-release nutrient for whatever you plant in that type of compost-enriched soil. The diverse materials in this the soil and that compost break down at different rates, slowly releasing nutrients over a long period of time as opposed to releasing them all at once, and which fertilizers do. By composting, it reduces the need for fertilizers. So what's great about composting food scraps, they're a valuable resource. Just like the parts that you eat, the parts of food you toss contain important vitamins and minerals that when returned to the soil get recycled back into the ecosystem and take up the next round of crops grown on that specific area of land. Interesting enough, today's intensive agricultural methods have resulted in nutrient depletion in soils, which in turn has caused our fruits and veggies that are grown in significantly less than nutritious soils actually to be less than nutritious than a few decades ago. And lastly, what's also great about composting is it attracts critters and microorganisms that are good for the soil and plants. Think of compost like a probiotic for the human body. Good bacteria needed to fight off diseases and keep us alive and functioning. Similarly, in order for our soil to be healthy, it needs to foster a community of organisms that break down matter, improve soil structure, and create a fertile environment for plants. So some of you all there who have chickens like we do may not need to necessarily compost the same way that you would compost with plants because a lot of the food goes right to the chickens. Well, the joys of having your own chickens is they tend to eat a lot of the things that are recommended that we don't compost, such as meat and dairy and things like that. Your chickens can eat that instead You can give your other vegetable and food scraps to your compost bin, or you can divvy it up equally however you see fit. So composting is the nature's way of recycling, and it can actually happen without any involvement from us. But you can speed it up and optimize that process with some attention, with aeration, mixing moisture, and pile building based on what you put together in your backyard, farm, or homestead. There are so many different ways to compost out there. There's even worm composting, whether it's inside or outside, out comp- outside composting, um, which is hot or cold, which is more of a passive process. So there's a whole different ways to compost. There's lots of different bin options out there. There's lots of different ways to do it. But no matter what composting process you choose, ultimately your goal is to pr- produce an amendment to add to your soil that's beneficial. So if you don't have your own garden or yard, consider reaching out to a friend or someone who could be using that finished compost. So just because you don't grow your own food or don't have your own garden, if you still compost, your finished compost can still be shared with many different community gardens out there or donate it to a friend or family member. So now if you've decided to compost like me, let's get started on some ideas to do that at home. So most people choose some type of compost bin. Um, 
We don't really recommend having piles of food scraps um, in suburban or urban communities. That just breeds a lot of things you don't want. But a compost bin is usually the traditional way to go about the traditional um, outdoor composting. Usually you'll have a space for it in your backyard farm or homestead. You'll have something, a pitchfork, something, a source of water, and some carbon-rich materials such as leaves, straw, etc., And the goal is to keep it moist and add things to it and be able to turn. And most of the bins are set up to be able to do that. So part of this traditional composting method is to have a couple of different things. You have four things, greens, browns, water, and air. So the greens are considered your nitrogen-rich materials. These are high in nitrogen, such as raw vegetable and food scraps, grass clippings, and green leaves, coffee grounds. Even though brown in color, they're rich in nitrogen. So don't let that color stick to you, your brain there. The browns are considered carbon-rich materials that are high in carbon, such as fall leaves, twigs, shredded newspaper, straw, wood chips, and shredded wool. You'll need to add water and you need to have air. That way it aerates and all these things get mixed together. So just in sum, the composting microbes, they need the nitrogen to grow and reproduce. And then carbon for carbo- carbohydrates and energy, just like humans, we need carbs for energy. You also need water to move around and digest materials. And just like us, they need oxygen to breathe. So think about feeding the microbes. You want to give them a balanced diet of the carbon-rich and nitrogen-rich materials. So kind of a rule of thumb is to mix two to three parts of brown materials, those carbon-rich, to one part green materials, which are those nitrogen-rich by volume. So if you have a bucket of food scraps, you will need two to three buckets of brown, such as fall leaves. Everyone asks, well, how much water do I need? Well, the initial compost pile should have a moisture content of anywhere to 50 to 60%. This is actually more than most people realize. Most people don't compost correctly because the pile's too dry. So microbial activity will slow or cease. If it's too wet, water will fill in the air pockets. The microbes need to live and smelly anaerobic lacking oxygen conditions will take over. So it's kind of like a fine balance you're making. There's kind of the hand squeeze method. If this kind of grosses you out, put on a glove, but basically take handfuls from different places in your compost pile, give them a squeeze. At the ideal moisture level, a few drops of water should appear between your knuckles and it should feel like a wrung out sponge, not super wet, not super dry. So what do you put in these green nitrogen rich materials? So what can you compost? Well, pretty much anything that's fresh vegetable and fruit scraps eggshells crushed, cut flowers and green plants, most garden and grass clippings, coffee grounds and filters, tea bags, no staples, and when in doubt, Google. Some carbon-rich materials, those brown materials I was talking about, fall leaves, untreated straw, shredded newspaper, plant stalks, twigs, branches, untreated wood chips, and shavings. Okay, what you should not put in your compost bin Anything that was cooked foods, so not those fresh vegetables and fruit scraps, anything that was cooked, do not put in there. Cheese and dairy, meat and bones, pet waste. Um, I don't think you want your doggies poo in there. Please don't do that. That just doesn't sound fun. Use tissue or paper towels, produce stickers, oils or greases, any glossy or coated papers, treated in paint and wood aggressive weeds and grasses, or any kind of poisonous or diseased plants. 
So when you think about placing all these things in your bin, um, chopping's not necessarily required. Um, you can, I would say, aim for two to six inches. It just increases the surface area and it just really helps it break, break it down. Part of having a bin is normally they have rotation on them um, or with your pitchfork, the old fashioned way you can get in there and make sure you're rotating everything. I think just pile turning, you want to make sure every two to five months you're thinking about making sure that there's air and oxygen and just checking it out. Also, when you're composting any of these food scraps and piles, you want to make sure that you don't leave them exposed on the top of your pile. You want to make sure that you're always mixing them in with carbon rich materials like mulch, fall leaves, wood chips, etc. Now this is considered cold composting. If you want to achieve hot composting, that means you need to turn and remix your pile more frequently, which is a quicker process. And so you'll have compost a lot quicker opposed to kind of just letting it sit there and rotating it every now and then. So composting is a great way to get rid of your organic waste and use this to benefit the environment. Okay, I get it. Dabbling in composting is to get that sought-after black gold rich nutrient-dense soil is every gardener's holy grail. However, one, anyone with a green thumb or anyone in general knows there's a variety of ways to compost. And if you're like me and you have chickens and you don't have an active pile of compost cooking in your backyard, farm, or homestead, Trench composting, which is the lazy version of composting, may be exactly what you are in need of. The reason it's called the lazy version of composting, because you're burying your kitchen scraps directly into the soil, right into the garden bed. It's a hassle-free method, easy way to enrich your soil without all the odors turning, watering, and all the need to have the browns and greens ratio um, together along with aeration. While this method may sound new to you, trench composting actually is a historical method of composting. In fact, it's been used to enrich soil by almost every civilization for thousands of years. In fact, when Native Americans buried fish under their mounds of corn, they were trench composting. So why choose this type of composting over the traditional bins composting? Well, burying organic weight waste and waiting for it to decompose to add nutrients back to the soil creates an underground band of nutrients for your plants. It's one of the easiest ways to utilize your waste while returning organic material back to your soil. So your plants are also getting the nutrients they need without the hassle of aerating and sifting like you have to do with other compost methods. And best of all, your pile of kitchen scraps is out of sight and can fit just about anywhere you have diggable dirt. There are no wafing odors, from your decaying matter, and if you buried it correctly, it won't attract vermin like other compost methods sometimes do. The term trench is used loosely, but it's essentially digging a hole, filling it with kitchen scraps and garden waste, and filling back up with soil. First, gather all your scraps in a five-gallon bucket or composting pail. Go out to your garden, backyard, farm, or homestead. Find some dirt, dig a hole roughly 12 inches deep and wide enough to bury whatever scraps you've collected Dump in four to six inches of compostable material and cover it back up with dirt. I usually add in grass or whatever's growing as my cover crop. Within just a few months, the composting material will have broken down and enriched your soil with no extra work from you. 
Not sure what to do with all those leaves in the fall? This method also works well. Simply bury them around your garden or flower beds. Mowing them up first will help them decompose quicker. So trench composting, you can also use some of these methods during growing season. It fertilizes and adds nutrients to existing plants. Simply dig holes or trenches a few inches out from the roots of your vegetable or flower plants and bury your everyday compostable materials. As it breaks down, it will feed extra nutrients to the plants as they grow. For example, use coffee grounds. Filter and all are an especially great side dressing for plants. They provide extra nitrogen and improve that soil structure. Also, crushed eggshells add a boost of calcium as they break down. Great for preventing blossom end rot in tomatoes and peppers. And if trenching between rows, be sure to plant rows far enough apart so that you don't harm roots while you're digging that trench for that composting. This is just another great way to incorporate organic matter into your soil while it's growing. And again, similar to bin composting, here are some things that you can add to your garden as a trench composting. Any fruit or vegetable scraps, coffee grounds, eggshells, grass clippings, fall leaves, tea bags, cotton, wool rags, dryer lint, fireplace, ash, hair, and animal fur all can be added to your trench compost. Surprise, surprise. And again, anything that cannot be added is similar with the bin. No animal waste, no deceased plant material, any weeds with seeds, any vegetable seeds, wood that's been treated, and certain glossy papers, any cooking fats and oil, meat and dairy should be avoided, and anything that's inorganic, such as cleaning solutions, pesticides, that, that can all like just transfer toxins to your plants. So believe in your human capability, even if you don't have a green thumb, which should go in the ground. You think that if it shouldn't go, it probably shouldn't go in the ground, but just refer to Google anytime you have questions when in doubt. There's a lot of good resources out there for doing your own bin composting and trench composting. Well, I hope you learned a thing or two about creating your own compost and being sust- more sustainable and reducing greenhouse emissions. Thank you for listening to Farm Chica.